Hello and welcome to the Chip Away podcast. My name's Adam and I talk with passionate construction professionals try to chip away at what it is to build, create and shape the landscape we live in. My guest for this episode is David Parseth. David is a carpenter from Auckland who saw the light after years in an office job and decided to take the plunge head on into an adult apprenticeship. He managed to strike gold with a company who do things a bit differently than most here in New Zealand. We chat about what it means to have a fulfilling job, setting goals and embracing the whole journey of becoming a carpenter. He's the man behind Ideal Carpentry and this is his story, so enjoy. So yeah, my name's David Parsett. I'm a builder in Auckland. I work for Eden Masonry Homes. We specialise in building concrete block houses and we're, well, we're only really a handful of companies who do so. We're only quite a small company. Because we are quite a small company, all the builders kind of have little responsibilities that they, they tend to look after as well. So another one of my responsibilities is I'm an apprentice advocate, which basically just means you're you're helping the, the apprentices to give them a bit of direction towards to meeting their goal to be, become a qualified builder. I also take care of a lot of the landscaping. I'm a show home attendant, depending on whether or not we do have show homes at the time. You've just listed off a, quite a few things that already, that, that seems quite a unique company to work for. When you say you're an apprentice advocate, I like that. Can you go into that? So you're a qualified builder. So within your company, when you say an apprentice advocate, is that are you one of the dedicated builders within your team who will kind of really be focused on training? Is that is that what that means? Or I mean, go into that a little bit more if you don't yeah, mind. Well, I mean, I, I suppose the nature of our builds, we, we can be on a build for anywhere between nine months and to 18 months. Hmm. So it takes quite a while for apprentices to come along and actually be qualified in a certain specific skill. So we're, we're very conscious of that and we... um. At the moment, we're trying to put together a program to help help give the apprentices goals and, and give them a bit of direction into where, well, we think they should be help, uh, heading, but also taking some feedback from them to, to see which areas we can do better and to help drive them towards their, their qualification. That's awesome. That's about the most invested I've ever heard a company really be in their own apprentices yeah. so I appreciate that do you think that's perhaps due to the nature of the different type of building you're doing uh, or is that something that comes from maybe the top in your company who who really kind of value the trades and value apprentices and want to want to dial it in so much in that way oh, I think it's a bit of both actually um, yeah because the, the nature of our builds is that we do do take quite a while to go through from start to finish. So we're there setting the, the site out to, and we do, like I mentioned before, we do the landscaping. So we're, we're right there till the end, laying the last piece of turf. Um, and also because our our boss, oh, he probably wouldn't say it himself, but yeah, he, he'd like to give back to, I suppose, to the, to the building industry and, and help qualify guys to, to work to a standard and, and meet the standards that um, mean that, well, especially for us, that we are able to finish our 
our homes to the highest of qualities. Yeah, we just want to carry on that and, and make sure that it's carried on in the industry, and especially within our company as well. Yeah. I like that. I think that's great. It sounds like you work for a, uh, for a good company. I think that's interesting. And, and, and one thing that I think about quite often is, like you say, in a situation like yours, when you guys are setting up a site and you might not be moving off that site for over a year, as an apprentice, if you're in a situation like that, it does take quite a lot longer to get qualified. There's other situations where you can be an apprentice and if you're having a very high turnover rate of houses and you're doing just enough to hit those kind of BCITO goals and, and get your books ticked off, you can get qualified pretty quickly. But I wonder what you think about maybe doing an apprenticeship that way as opposed to really really taking your time and, and building those sorts of houses where, okay, it might take you a little bit longer to get qualified, but in the end run, I often wonder who's the better builder at the end of the day. Um, yeah. I guess it's horses for courses and it perhaps, you know, an apprenticeship through a company like yours will set you up perfectly for doing the exact type of building that you're doing. And I guess that goes really throughout whatever you're doing as an apprentice yeah, I wonder if you have anything to say on that. I mean, you did your apprenticeship with the company you're with now. Is that correct? Yeah, you know, I've had my whole entire building career with Eden Homes. Um, yeah, and like you say, um, we really try to pin down what it takes to be an, an apprentice or a builder that really, you know, really thinks a lot about the work that they do. So we want um, our apprentices to come out with a qualification but also be a builder of the highest standards. We, we like to gloat a lot about our, all our awards that we've won through the Master Builders. And um, I suppose we use that as part of our driver to you know, create these quality homes. Mm, I find that it's not just these days in general. You'll find quite a lot of apprentices will jump around from company to company even just for a dollar, just to go up the road. Uh, a lot of guys do that. Sometimes it's needs must. Sometimes they just want to work with their mates, whatever it may be. I just wonder if you could comment on the system that you guys have in place in your own company. Do you hold on to your apprentices quite well? Do, do you get good feedback from the apprentices themselves? Yeah, I think um, a lot of them kind of appreciate the work that we're doing. And in most cases, the uh, the, we don't have a high turnover rate of, of staff in general, um, but I think the apprentices that do work for us, they, they tend to enjoy the work that we're doing, um, and, and usually that is um, a bigger driver to them rather than going somewhere else and you know taking four weeks on a build and then moving on to the next one. Yeah. Whereas we, if we do tend to spend a little bit longer on a build, it, it almost becomes their build. So they want to stick around till the end. Yeah, I know exactly how that feels. As an apprentice myself, I spent probably, uh, gosh, yeah, over 18 months on a build. And I know you'll, you'll know it because you spend that long on builds as well. But it's like a bittersweet feeling when you leave that house because you've invested so much of your time into that building and you have to walk away from it for someone else to enjoy you're kind of like, hey, what are you people doing moving into my house by the end of it? <laughs> it gets like that. Do you feel like that when you get to the end of a bill? 
yeah, we, we kind of joke actually a little bit. Like we don't really, we kind of build the houses to be our own houses. And then, yeah, like you say, someone else moves in and we, it's just not really their house. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of the decisions are made. Um, our, our boss is actually pretty good about it. He, um, he kind of convinces the customers what they want. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that like he'll he'll decide on doorways or door passages that they weren't too sure about and and almost convince them that they, they want it done and at the end of it you know it ends up being a beautiful result so everyone's happy about it mm-hmm. uh, yeah. but yeah like um like you were saying we 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 feel like these houses are our, our own you know and that's how we tend to build them yeah sure and i'm sure that's why you win all those awards as well when you have that sort of relationship with your job and what you're doing, then, um, yeah, good things are going to come of it. So David, I want to, um, I want to take you right back to the start for, for your own career. We've talked uh, a little bit off air about how it all got started for you, but yeah, I'd, I'd like to linger on that because I think you have quite a unique situation, how you got into our industry, maybe what got you there? Why did you decide to take on this career? Yeah, let, let's get into that. So if you could if you could share it and we'll um, we'll go back and forth. Yeah, well, I think um, carpentry for me has always been an option going right back to high school and stuff. Um, but like we spoke about before, at the time, it kind of, everything was driven towards university at the time. So it, was, it wasn't so much about what you were doing after school. It was about what university you were going into, what you were doing then, how you're going to get there, you know. Um, and if you were looking at the trades, uh, kind of, you were kind of made to feel like you'd done something wrong, just about, you know. As much as um, you know, people were interested in heading that way. It just wasn't promoted back in high school. Um, so, yeah, I mean, with that, I ended up in university for a little while, just fighting around. To be honest, I, I didn't really do a heck of a lot while I was there. It's just kind of uh, got into a communications degree, and and then. Um, and just kind of just spent my time doing that. Um, and then, you know, I did that for a, a fair while. And then after I thought, you know, I don't really want to be doing this for too much longer. So I actually, uh, I actually just wanted a break from the whole university kind of thing. So I actually got into bar work. Um, and that was supposed to be about a year or so um, before I, I left that and went back to university and carried on with my study. But I ended up doing it for about six years. And, um, yeah, I met some absolutely amazing people, like, like friends that, you know, to this day, we've, we've just got each other's backs, you know. Everyone's moved on, obviously, now. But, um, you know, people would just drop whatever they're doing to help you out kind of thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, I ended up working for a telecommunications company, a mobile phone company, actually. And, um, again, that was, that was just meant to be about a year or so before I didn't really, well, I moved on to something else and maybe even go back to university. Um, but that, that dream's pretty much over now. So um, after that, um, after that year it was up, I, I was still fully intending on leaving and, and going on and doing the whole university kind of thing. Um, but then they kind of dangled the carrot in front of me and said, you know, we, we it was a retail job and they wanted to make me um, a branch manager at the time. So that was kind of good, you know. They offer you a bit more money and and a bit more responsibilities, which is, I suppose is probably a little bit of my nature. Um, 
And then from there, I think um, I, I spent about three years working for them and I looked after a few different branches. Um, uh, but towards the end of it, I, w I wasn't really too sure because um, they'd kind of gone through a restructure at the time. And um, at, at that stage, I just had my first child. Um, and they wanted me to start working weekends and they kind of changed the commission structure around where it wasn't really working out for a lot of um, the, the staff in my stores. Um, so there was a lot of angst involved in that as well. And um, to the point where, you know, everyone just decided that in, in my store particularly and as well as a few others that um, everyone was going to move on and, and carry on to do whatever it is. Um, they intended on doing in the first place because I think that's how a lot of people get into it. Um, and I was kind of, from there, I was kind of wondering what I should be doing. And then my girlfriend at the time, actually, she um, she kind of encouraged me to head towards the carpentry kind of thing. She's, she's always telling me, you know, you, you're good with your hands, you, you help people out with all that kind of stuff. So I thought, you know, why not? You know, I've got nothing to lose at that stage. I was 31. And... Um, and I actually left the company before I actually found a job, which was a little bit risky. Mm. Um, so <laughs> I was probably unemployed for, I'd say, maybe a month and a half, two months. And during that time, I was kind of driving around Auckland, um, just in, in new subdivisions predominantly, just, you know, try and get numbers and, and send out letters to companies and everything. And um, one of them was Eden Missionary Homes. Um, which was quite fortunate for me because they were building in the subdivision next door to my one, which meant that my um, commute to work was about five minutes, and I, mm -hmm. I did that for uh, five or six years. And so that's how I got into the carpentry thing. Right, awesome. So you you managed to get a to get, convince them to take you on as an apprentice. Yeah. Um, so. How was the apprenticeship for you? Um, I guess uh, how long how long did it take? How how different was it from from maybe what you thought? Even uh, I, I find that a lot of people's experiences that I've talked with is that uh, you have this idea of what building's going to be like from the outside. Perhaps more so when you're a bit older, like yourself, you would have been, um, and you can formulate your ideas better than a than a young fella um you have an idea of what building's going to be and then once you're inside it it's quite a different picture actually so yeah i just wonder how that was for you as an adult making that move and and how you found it as you first started out and and how the apprenticeship went for you yeah well exactly like how you said you, you go into it with all your own ideas thinking you know how i can be you know you, you see builders and you you help your mates out who are in the trades and stuff and you think geez i can i can swing a hammer i can i can saw a piece of timber um but yeah pretty much straight away got in there within the first week i thought man what have i done <laughs> you know and um and for, for maybe well maybe a month or so after that i kind of was actually seriously reconsidering what i was what i was there for you know and um yeah, it's, it's, it's such a different world, eh? Um, a lot of it's, or a lot of it's male-driven, mm -hmm. so people just do not have a problem telling you where, where to go if, you, if need be, and um, 
And I suppose um, what really helped me was just going in with an attitude, you know, just just going in and just being, being open-minded about what needs to happen for you to, to be part of the team, firstly, and then also just what it takes to be, or what it takes to go through your apprenticeship and um, work, work real hard to be qualified, I suppose. Um, it was a bit different for me because um, when I went into the team, we were only very small. There was maybe four or five builders at the time all working on a single job. And um, the age range varied from someone in their early 20s to someone in their late 50s. So um, a lot of it was actually trying to work out, um, I suppose, everyone's different personalities and, and you know, trying to buddy up with someone to to see um, if, if they could help you um, to, to be able to gain confidence and, and skills that you needed to, to do to be able to um, be good at building game, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. I, I found it the same, uh, maybe not so much my apprenticeship, but now that I'm qualified and I'm in different companies, um, unfortunately, actually, a lot of what happens in the apprentice and kind of mentor relationship I found now in later years is that it is very much a personality thing. Um, some guys can be quite fickle and for whatever reason they decide they don't really like you or they actually kind of devalue your own skills and they can become quite unwilling to give you the time of day and, and teach you what you need to learn. Whereas other guys, they'll, they'll give them you know every spare minute they've got um yeah a lot of it is about as an apprentice not being likable but i think certainly what you talked about having that attitude where you prove to everyone on site that you know hey i may not know a heck of a lot but i'm not going anywhere and i'm willing to do what it takes to to learn i think you know you can kind of melt the roughest guy's heart if you bring an attitude like that at the end of the day. So yeah, I appreciate what you're saying about that. Did you find when you were an apprentice that you managed to get on with almost everyone and, and learn something off every different person on that site? Or was it, did you find you kind of stuck with a certain person who you really clicked with and, and found your, you know, because I find even in my own career, some guys are fantastic builders, but they're not necessarily fantastic teachers. Uh, so yeah, I just wonder what, what your experience was with that. Yeah, no, I think, um, at that stage, because I was a little bit older, um, I think I, I had a pretty good grasp on, on reading people. Um, and then, you know, just trying to find things that are relatable between you and that single person. So I, I got on with most people on site, um, and um, yeah, I think at the time, everyone was pretty willing to to take me aside and, and just show me a few things, just to try get me a bit more involved in what was happening. It was it was good. Yeah, that's awesome. So, one thing I definitely would like to talk about with you is uh, as our current environment at the moment, um, where. <laughs> not really in a post-COVID world anymore in New Zealand. It was back back with uh, a little vengeance where you are in Auckland. But um, 
yeah, I guess one thing that has this whole pandemic situation has brought to mind and for a lot of people around the world, it's been a big economic impact um, already and I'm sure it will be continuing on to the future. But that little time, you know, I mentioned at the start of the podcast when uh, the lockdown here in New Zealand, we had four or five weeks to uh, kind of forced meditation almost uh, for some of us where you got to reflect a little bit on on what you're up to and maybe set some goals and reevaluate uh and maybe that's going to be having add-on effect in our industry where people are thinking like yourself um you said when you're working you know for your mobile phone company and perhaps i don't know i'm not going to put words in your mouth but you realize that this wasn't really what i wanted to do and I kind of ended up here and uh, maybe the money was good and life was easy enough and um, and then perhaps I wonder if the whole idea of an adult apprenticeship or people deciding to get into trades is when you get to a certain age and when you're younger you kind of have that idea of yeah I don't mind life being easy and I just want to cruise and you know money will come along and it'll be fine but when you get a bit older I think you kind of get a bit more ambitious by nature not so much money driven but you want a bit more of a challenge Um, I just wonder if that if you think that'll kind of well one was that a driver for you and and do you think that now is a great time to kind of make a change like that. You know, in New Zealand here, the government have just made trade apprenticeships free. There's also a bunch of kind of, uh, I'm speaking here mostly about construction because that's our trade. So there's a bunch of tertiary options that have been made free or even a lot cheaper. Um, And they're really pushing it in New Zealand. You know, we have a housing crisis. We need a lot more tradespeople at the coalface doing what we're doing. You know, Again, if we could maybe just share your journey, not so much the technicality of, of what you decided to do, but just how you made that step to make a change in career, you know, perhaps take that pay cut, perhaps even it can be a touchy subject, but when you're up here managing a couple of stores and doing quite well, and then one day you decide, hey, you know, I'm successful in one sense, but I'm not really all that fulfilled I could imagine it is a little bit of kind of eating humble pie where I'm sure you would have had to take a pay cut and perhaps, uh, I don't know if you really want to go as far as taking a loss in status. You know, I'm sure it's cooler for some people to say I'm a branch manager of a mobile phone company than, you know, I'm an, a, an apprentice on the end of a broom. <laughs> so, yeah, I just wonder if you could go into that a little bit. I don't want to go anywhere too personal that you don't want to go, but I just think it's quite cool to talk about. Um, I've been in contact with one or two people who have even listened to the podcast who are actually thinking of making a change in a career and have found the podcast quite enlightening in that you get to hear tradies stories so yeah anything you're willing to share on that I'd really appreciate it yeah well um like you said it was definitely definitely a hit to the old ego um Mm. but I I think um you have to be prepared for that if you well, one thing that we kind of struggle with is is new builders coming along and thinking that they're just gonna, you know, just blow everything up and change everything. But I think you just need to, I, I think you need to just be prepared to get stuck in and you know dig those holes, work in the rain if you need to. Um, and it's just an attitude kind of thing. 
Um, uh, yeah, and, and like you said, you know, you, you, you're not going to make a heck of a lot of money from the beginning. But I think one of the, the drivers for me was, um, I suppose, being a tradie, it's probably a little bit easier to um, end up with your own business at one sta- at some stage. Um, and I think that's probably still a, a driver for me at, at the moment. Um, whereas, I suppose, if, if you are in like a multinational company, it's a little bit harder to step away from that and then start your own business. Um, but I think as well, when you, ha- you have to decide that you really want to do it, um, but also you have to go in wholeheartedly as well. You can't just decide that you just, it, it might be for you or it might not be for you. I think you need to actually make a decision and then just go for it and then just be willing to accept that there are just going to be some rubbish days um, and, and some days where you're just going to get frustrated and um, and like you say, you, you're going to take a pay cut, obviously, but then obviously the, the, there are other rewards as well. Um, being able to step back from a job saying that you've been involved in that build or, um, you know, you've, you've put that retaining wall together by yourself or whatever it is, you know. So there's, there's definitely um, other factors involved rather than just money. Um, yeah. And I think more than anything, it's the, the satisfaction that you get after you step away from a job and you, you see um, all the work that you've put into it, all the effort, all the sweat that you've, you've had to go through to, to make that build happen. Um, when we, sorry, I'm taking it in a different direction, but I mean, when we step away from a build, straight away we see, you know, the, the arguments that have happened with it, the, um, you know, the, the, the sweat that you put into it, the summon is just so frustrating. Um, but then it's, it's not really after you come back after a little while and you actually walk through the house and you think, actually, you know, we've done a really good job here. We, you pat each other on the back and, and um, you know, and that, and that is a massive payoff for us. Yeah. Yeah. There's a whole range of emotions, that's for sure, in, in our yeah. trade. And like you say, that, that payoff and that um, standing back and, and feeling a part of something, I wonder just to linger on that you know maybe a little bit philosophically do you feel that the skills that you have now and that you've developed through carpentry maybe money and status aside do you feel that those skills are more valuable to others and to yourself than the skills that you perhaps developed in that kind of multinational corporate world yeah i think um going back to like when you say you're 15 and you're thinking about taking a career and and building, no one really wants to speak to you or wants to know about you. But these days, you, you tell anyone that you're a builder, everyone all of a sudden their ears perk up and they, they want to speak to you. You know, they've all all of a sudden they've got problems that they want to come to speak to you about with stuff that they're doing at their place or um, asking you if you want to come around next weekend or something. You know, mm. um, but you know, it's it's you, you are coming down, I suppose, from what whatever kind of status you had before to to being a chippy mm-hmm. um but i think with that as well there comes um a certain status in itself um that 
you know, where people want to know you and you know, appreciate the skills that you do have because not everyone has those skills. Um, you know, being able to make a, a, a saw cut that's dead straight with a skill saw, that, that's, that's something you have to develop over time. And, and um, being able to do that just, you know, it, it means that you put thought into it. And um, I suppose the concentration that you need to be able to handle that um, means that, you know, you do have a fair bit more skill than what the average person would. Mm, yeah. And such a, I mean, speaking for carpentry, and I, I always like to blow carpentry's horn because I think it's, I think it's the best trade, just to be honest. Um, I absolutely love it. So what's great about it, in my opinion, is the really wide range of skills that you have to have um, because, uh, I mean, especially for a guy like you and, and the nature of the company you work for when you're, you know, you're starting from a, piece of dirt to you know putting the dirt back on and 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 you know doing the landscaping i mean that's it that's that's the whole that's all she wrote really in terms of the whole build you know and and perhaps if you do have more than one builds on you know i find this with building quite often is that you know one week you're putting a deck down uh, and then the next week you're hanging doors or even from day to day you know you could be framing and then you know the next day you're I don't know, you're, you're putting a vanity on the wall or there's a whole bunch of different skills that you have to switch between quite quickly, even within the same day, you know, where, um, you know, nothing against other professions or anything, but other ones, you can be quite repetitive in what you have to do. Um, although you can excel and you can be really great in your job. What keeps me interested in building is this, there's a very little boredom in my day. Um, not because not necessarily because I love everything that I do, but the level of attention that you have to have because you do switch between those different tasks all the time. It's, it requires a lot of being switched on, you know, you have to be in the zone all the time. And, and I find that, you know, even I haven't been building for that long. I've been building for seven years this year, but even, you know, you might not have done windows for a couple of months and you've got to switch your brain on again when you get going and you go, like, right, I've got to do this, I've got to do that. And um, I love that. It, it keeps you really engaged in your job. So, yeah, yeah. I agree with what you're yeah. saying. Yeah. Now, that's, that's, that's tough. Um, it's tough for a lot of guys to, to be able to switch between all those different type tasks. And that's um, especially... What we're, we're trying to achieve with our apprentices at the moment is to be able to switch between certain tasks. Um, we've had a, a bit of rain in Auckland over the last few days and um, we're working outside with our fascia and safetes at the moment. But as soon as that rain comes and we had to, we had to duck inside and then um, start looking at our frames and stuff. So it, it, it is, yeah, like you say, having to switch so much between what you're doing and, and it's, it's wearing different hats um, between, you know, uh, your finishing work, uh, your framing stage, your slab, your concrete work. Um, and I think that that's, that's where I suppose the skill lies in, in, in being able to switch so much between all those certain skills. Um, at the end of the day, all of it is really, if you, if you look at building and carpentry, it's, it's what we'd like to say is that you're, all you're doing is you're getting ready for the next subcontractor so, because you know, 
they're, they're as much a part of the build as as what we are. But um, it's trying to make sure that you're getting the job up to standard but before the next subcontractor comes along and, and does their part and then the next stage happens. Um, and that's just a simple way of putting it, really. Yeah. And that's, that's a brilliant thing to drill into apprentices because if you have younger guys who are motivated and even like yourself as an older guy who are motivated to think about having your own business one day, if you're thinking about subcontractors as a builder and not just what you're doing on the tools every day, you can really develop a, a leader or, or a business attitude because you're thinking of the whole build all the way through and you're not thinking you know, what am I doing today? You're thinking about why am I doing it and who am I doing it for and who's coming next week and what do we have to do? So yeah, that's a great thing. I wouldn't mind lingering on just that on, on uh, kind of bringing that up to your apprentices and also just talking more about your role as uh, an apprentice advocate within your company. I want to know why you think you were chosen for that role or perhaps you put your hand up for that do you think you have that kind of natural tendency to to teach people is it your passion for the trade that you that you really want to do that or is it more so just something that you have within yourself that's kind of sits outside of uh building completely i think for me um i I tended to struggle through my apprenticeship actually um and and I, i I see that now in some of the younger guys. You, you see the frustration build up and you, you see them, you know, the other day someone threw a hammer across the site, you know, just that frustration because they, they think they weren't getting what they wanted. Um, so I think I just, like you said, I think I just have a tendency of wanting to to help these younger guys to and, and just give them a, an ear, ear, I suppose, and, and you know, um, hear their frustrations and, and all that kind of stuff, and then and then also help help um, help them by letting them know what my experiences were, um, and also you know just trying to give them a a better direction of where they should be heading, as well. Um, I think as well um, a lot of apprentices kind of they they come straight out of high school and they think pretty much the same thing that what I thought, you know, they'll, they'll get on the tools and they'll get a trade behind them. Um, but we, we um, more, I suppose, look at being lifelong chippies with our company um, because well, I, I think um, the, the area of Auckland where we are, there's not a lot of other companies who are um, doing high-end housing, I suppose. And the type of work that you're getting through us as opposed to the next guy, I don't like to say too much, but um, is, is probably a little, um, so prob- probably a little bit more interesting, I suppose, in um, the type of work that you're getting. And um, the company that we're with are really good about it. I think um, they they t- tend to give you the time to be able to make sure things are done right. Whereas um, a lot of, a lot of building companies around the country will give you timeframes to work to. Um, whereas we have those timeframes, but at the end of the day, we want the, the job to be done right. And we don't let um, the time compromise the quality of the builds that we do. 
Mm. Um, and we want to draw that into our apprentices as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's uh, sounds like you you guys have a great environment to to be an apprentice in, and I can um, I can appreciate that apprentice throwing his hammer across the site or her, I should say, uh, yeah, whoever it may be, but. Um, yeah, it's, I, I don't know how you feel about it, but I think it's quite, I kind of chuckle and, and I quite enjoy seeing stuff like that. Not that I revel in someone else's frustration, but you know what's behind that if you've been in those shoes yourself. And it's fantastic. And one of my favorite parts about now being qualified and, and being in a management position is being able to help out younger apprentices and and finding that girl or guy who really, really wants to succeed in this industry on the tools and become a, car, a competent, you know, builder. Um, it's so much fun to get to work with someone like that because they're so intense, you know, <laughs> they just yeah. really, really want to learn and yeah. they're so hard on themselves. I know I was a shocker for that. Um, too hard on myself probably now that I look back on it. Um, so yeah, when you're not, getting what you want or it could just be a you're having an off day i've had had plenty of those and i still do to this day where just nothing goes right for you but it's it's fun to see that also from a point of view of oh this person clearly cares that much about their job that they're going to do that you know it's not necessarily they're throwing their hammer across the site because of a personal battle or because they don't think they're getting paid enough or because you know, whatever it may be, it's because they really want to get this little job that they're doing right and they haven't got it right and they care about it that much to throw their hammer across site. I think that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, they get lost in the moment a little bit and then once, the, as soon as the hammer's left their hand, I suppose, that they kind of regret it and, you know, they, they get a bit anxious about, you know, hoping that no one saw it or whatever. But I think, I think, it, I think it's great like you and I think... Um, now, through your apprenticeship, you should be frustrated. I tell that all the younger guys, you know, that if you're not frustrated at some point during your apprenticeship, there's probably something that's gone wrong. You can't see all smooth sailing. Mm. Uh, but yeah, like you say, you know, you you see these guys who who actually think a bit, bit more about what they're supposed to be doing. One thing that I wanted to uh, say about apprentices, and it's something that I've found during my time and it's it's probably been my hardest lesson in building and it still is to this day and it's um i'm real good at it in theory and i'm awful at it in practice um yeah but uh yeah you know um take what i say with a grain of salt anyone listening i'm, I'm certainly i'm not a know-it-all or or don't feel like i'm someone that's really all that worth listening to uh, even though i have a podcast but um the biggest lesson that I've learned and I think it's a great one for an apprentice is to get over that fear of failing and that fear of stuffing things up and looking silly and getting egg on your face and having your workmates talk about you behind your back. And it's, um, it's the hardest one to get over, but if you can get over that, you will, not only gain confidence in what you're doing, I almost guarantee it that you'll start winning more um, when you kind of drop that fear and you throw yourself in the deep end. You'll learn how you'll almost learn that you had another gear that you didn't know about. 
um, and that you can do things that you didn't think were possible. I, I feel that that's happened in my career when I take a plunge or when I kind of get over that ego trip that we all get on and, and that pride, especially it's pretty prevalent in our trade, not just because it's a male dominated industry, but what I also love about our trade, but it does hold a lot of guys back is that in building and construction and I think this is how it should be, um, at least, whether it is or not, I'm not sure. But it's really based on competency. Like you're rewarded for being good at your job. And there's nowhere to hide on that spectrum. Like you can't, excuse my French, but you can't like kiss ass and building and get your way to the top. It just, it just won't work, uh, really, if you're working for anyone with their brain switched on. It just doesn't happen. Like you... It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter your gender, your skin color, anything. If you can bring it on the tools, and I'm talking about kind of, you know, coalface workers here, with you know, even management, whatever. If you can go hard in your job, you're going to go places. It's just there's no doubt about it in our industry, which is great. So I think as an apprentice, if you can kind of, uh, lower your ego as much as you can be willing to learn um especially for younger people it, it's hard when you're coming out of high school or you know trade school you think you're the king of the world and then you go on site with a bunch of older guys who or, or girls who will just drop you straight back down to reality and it can be a hard pill to swallow and perhaps again uh, for adult apprentices it can be hard when you have to really uh take a step back from a perhaps a career path that you'd already pursued to a decent level um so if you can get over that ego trip that we all have um it's gonna fast track your your uh, kind of road to getting qualified or, or being more competent or getting to where you need to go so yeah i mean is that something you've found within your own industry or uh sorry industry but just your own path uh, i think ego is something we all struggle with i know i do yeah no definitely i think um with um when you when you're getting into the building industry i think you just have to take things with a grain of salt um people are gonna come down on you for the smallest things and then um and then just absolutely just demonize you almost just for for digging a hole in the wrong place say or something like that you know um but i think um yeah the, the rewards are there as well um as soon as um you've put on a bit of skirting right or you, you've done it up and traded with no gaps or something you know that people will tell you that as well and just go and and just tell you that how amazing you've, you've been with all that kind of stuff um but yeah like you say you you do have to lose the ego uh and a fair bit of it because um there are going to be times where you're you're in a ditch digging a hole or uh or compacting um footings or something um in six inches of mud um and and i think as the the, the quicker you can get over that is is the quicker you will um strive towards um being a qualified builder or or qualified in the trade um and and people will start respecting you for that as well it's more it's it's more than just um being good on the tools or having tool skills it's 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 so much hinders on attitude um, you come in with the right attitude, uh, 
turn up to a job site 15 minutes earlier than anyone else. You open up the gates, run the leads, get everything ready. And, you know, straight away, someone comes in after you and just goes, okay, you've done quite well for yourself. Mm. Um, and, and that's more appreciated than anything. And then from there, you find that um, guys around you are more willing to accept you and, you know, are, are, are wanting to help you further along in your career path as well. Mm. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily push back on on some of what you said there, but I think your hard work will not go unnoticed. But sometimes, and I think it's a failure of our industry, um, it sounds like perhaps not in your company, but guys are pretty slow to give out praise, actually, I find, at least verbally or in person. Um, you know, uh, I've said it before on the podcast, but... Um, one thing I find in, in building is that um, if no one's saying anything about your work, then you're probably doing a good a good job. But uh, as soon as you hear about it, um, yeah, you kind of you'll realise you've you've stuffed up, yeah. uh, um, or you yeah. know people will be quick to tell you you've stuffed up. I should say, um, yeah, I think that's a bit of a shame, especially if we want to encourage uh, apprentices. Maybe you have a different experience, um, but I think we're a bit too slow to give out praise um, to to guys who do a good job. Um, you know, it's uh, it can be quite a demanding industry physically and mentally sometimes, and just something as as little as "Hey, well done today," or "Hey, good job on that skirting," or uh, you know, you smashed out those holes for those deck piles, whatever it yeah. may be. Um, it doesn't take a lot, um, but it goes a long way. So, yeah, is that something that you try and think of as, as you're helping out these apprentices? Do you, I just wonder what your technique is with that? Because a lot of guys will say, oh, you can't, you know, let these apprentices, let it all go to the head. Otherwise, they'll never quite learn anything. So, I'm, I'm sure there is a bit of an art to that. I wonder what your approach is with that and what your experience was with that as you moved through your apprenticeship as well. Yeah, I think a lot of that, like how you say, um, there was encouragement there, but probably not as, as much as what you would hope for. Um, encouragement is a, a big part of um, how I work. That's, that's why I reached out to you initially and, and just said, hey, look, you're doing a great job. Um, want you to carry on with it because we're learning a lot doing it. Um, but yeah, like you say, uh, I'm fully, fully a person who encourages princesses to, to to make stuff ups, you know, so that they can't learn from it. And it's it's one thing making the stuff up, but if you can actually fix it, I was saying to someone the other day, you know, um, we've made a mirror of of some of this framing, but you know, you're you're half decent trippy if you can fix it. Um, um, and um, I find that that works a lot. Like you say, some of it does go to their head, but also I think they appreciate the feedback more than what even they would say. Um, and I think that, that like, like how you reckon, um, that needs to be encouraged more in the industry as well. You know, mm -hmm. tell people if they've done something wrong, but also let them know that they've done something right. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. Because we've all been there ourselves. If, if you are a, a older tradesman or if you're a qualified person or if you're 
you know, my, my example that I'm thinking of is I'm thinking of a, an apprentice who will do a job for the very first time. Maybe they'll like make a perfect coping, you know, internal corner cut on a nice piece of colonial arch- uh, skirting board or, or, you know, they'll, they'll nail off a whole face of an elevation in cedar and get those rosehead nails all perfect with their string lines and they'll stand back and it's like, I I know how I felt when I did those things for the first time and it was amazing. And now you do it and you still get a little kick out of it, but you will never beat that first time where you get that job right. And you feel like, Hey, um, you know, like you kind of level up almost a little bit. Um, so yeah, I think we need to keep that in mind. Uh, sometimes it's hard when you're an older tradesman and you just wanted to get it done because the spark is coming on Wednesday and it doesn't really matter. But I think um, yeah, don't don't like degrade those moments for other people if you can help it because it's it's fun and I think we we need to remember that and keep that in mind um, in our industry that what we do is fun. You know, one thing that I wanted to touch on earlier when we were talking about how much value you can gain from the trades. Sometimes I, I remind myself that what I do during the week, people who perhaps work in cubicles during the week, they do that on the weekend for fun because they want to learn these skills and they, perhaps that's somewhere where society's moving, where we're getting very digitalized and, I think there's a kind of drive or an innate feeling in in us as people to be creative practically and kind of um, have that tangible aspect where we can create something with our hands and we perhaps undervalue how fun that is to do every single day. Um, And when you don't get to do that and you realize like people who, you know, maybe don't work in our industry, but like love doing joinery on the weekend. And yeah, they're not very good at it, but it's like what they do for fun. You know, uh, I think we've got to keep that in mind sometimes in our industry. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like you say, um, like how you mentioned earlier, um, you know, you're not an accountant um, nine to five Monday to Friday and then want to do it again in the weekend. Are you? Mm. Um, yeah. I think, you, you have to keep in mind that what you're doing is fun and, and you're, you're there for a purpose as well. Um, like when you like how you say, you know, you, you're trying to get to the job to the stage for the next sub-trader to come in, but um, also you, you, you're, you're making the job your, your own as well. So you're doing it for personal gain as much as for anyone else's as well. Uh, because you know that if you've, um, you've strengthened those frames to within one mil, that in the back, even though no one else sees it, you know in the back of your mind that you've done an absolute immaculate job of that. Um, and I think you, everyone kind of just gets a kick out of that as well, and especially if you've done, just done it for the first time. Mm. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's fun. It's fun. It really is fun. Um, and it's cool to see 
it's it's kind of like maybe you can appreciate this as a father it's kind of like when you see your kids do something for the first time that you just didn't even consider was a cool thing anymore because you're a boring old adult and then they do it and it blows their mind um and uh, you get to relive your own experiences through them so i get that a little bit through carpentry maybe that ages me or um maybe that just makes me sound silly but i quite enjoy it (laughs) yeah no 100 percent. yeah you you see that all the time you know every day i come home and and grace my daughter she's always asking me what i've done at the job and and how much she wants to come out and see the job and stuff and i tell her you know we'll we'll go and have a look at it one day but uh, but yeah she's yeah whenever you do something you know you shoot a nail or something with your nail gun she thinks it's absolutely you know, you just, she looks at you like you're a superhero. Yeah. And, um, yeah, like you get that kind of kick out of what you do from that day. And I think you just have to remember that as well. You know, what you're doing is fun. And, um, you know, but also you, you do want to make sure that you're doing it to meet a certain standard and then exceeding that standard as well. And to me, that's like doing something for the first time as well. You know, mm-hmm. you, you're doing it better than you did before. Yeah. Yeah. Another great thing about that to tie that all in is that we get to work on people's biggest asset, really. You know, most most uh, mere mortals like ourselves, the most money we'll ever spend on anything is our house. Um, so it's a really epic thing to get to build a house for someone. You know, that's another thing that perhaps we overlook sometimes. Uh, we create, you know four walls for people to create memories inside of and and raise a family and have shelter and i think that's just awesome and the connection that people have with their own houses and the spaces that they inhabit they're pretty deep you know they're more so than the connection you have with your mobile phone whether you think it or not or something like that you know um it's really tangible it's um yeah, it's exciting to be a part of that. You know, when you even watch it from the client side, um, and they come on site and they, you know, they see the frames up like a classic visual progress day, and they ju- it just blows their mind. And it, it's cool to be a part of that. You know, perhaps in other industries, you don't really get that relationship with a customer or a client. It's just like, um, you know, here's your suit. See you later, or whatever it may be. Um, so yeah, another win for for building <laughs> yeah yeah i know what you mean you, you get fully invested in it and um yeah you, you just whenever the customers do come on site or the clients and they um they see progress you, you just look on you look at the looks on their faces and you, you kind of think to yourself yeah this is a good reason why i'm, I'm doing this still mm, yeah a favorite one of mine and i'm sure you would have had it everyone maybe it's a new zealand thing i doubt it um is the whole thing of people want to be in their new house before Christmas and they want to have Christmas in their new house. It's a pretty cool thing, really. Like it's frustrating for a builder because we just get so crazy at that time of year to try and get people into their houses because of this one day. And it almost gets a bit silly from our perspective, but it's quite cool to think of it from their perspective. It's like they get this brand new house and they get to spend like their favorite day in the brand new house 
it's pretty cool so um yeah i always like that as well but um yeah i could i could talk about this for a long time so maybe we should move on you know one thing i wanted to ask it's it's a bit of a tangent or off topic but i just want to ask actually technically i know we've talked before and you can't tell me too many trade secrets you know your uh, company is won a lot of awards and, and you guys build in a, in a unique way. But I wanted to ask you just a simple question. You say you're building masonry houses. Are you guys actually laying block work and all of that as well? Is that a part of what you're doing? No. Um, so when we talk about building masonry houses, we talk about building uh, out of block masonry, um, concrete. Um, we have block layers who come in and, and basically lay all the blocks, but what we have to do is we have to set everything up for them. So we have to make sure the reinforcing is in the right places, um, the scaffolds in the right place, um, and the walls are set up to how we want them to. Um, but yeah, and then that process is actually quite involved. Um, you've got to make sure that you've got all the right insulation properties in the right areas. Um, and also things like electrical, plumbing. You've got to make sure that all your openings and your, your penetrations are right where you need them. Like you can fix them afterwards if you if need be, but it becomes a bit of a major. Mm. Uh, but yeah, that, that's all it is in terms of what we offer as a, a masonry style build. Um, and I, I think when we started the company, uh, 25, 30 years ago, I think that it was, it was around the whole Leaky Homes kind of saga kind of thing. Mm. Um, <clears throat> and, and I think what came out of it was a lot of people wanting to get away from what, what ended up being a Leaky home situation to having something that was, well, pretty much bulletproof, literally bulletproof. Mm. Um, and, um, a lot of people, a lot of our clients, they actually um, have done a lot of research and they've always wanted to build a, a masonry home, um, but for one reason or another, it hasn't happened that way. So what, what we tend to um, look at is options regarding costs involved and stuff. And a lot of our clients are actually headed towards their retirement years and um, that, that ends up being their forever home. Um, but in terms of the masonry kind of thing, it's, it's just more about planning. That's the biggest um, aspect, I suppose, when you are uh, building a masonry home, just to make sure that everything is right where you want it. Otherwise, it becomes a problem later on. Yep. Yep. Definitely a lot of time spent on the groundworks and uh the foundation for you guys which is cool uh again another great kind of um string to your bow a lot of a lot of that is subbed out in this day and age it sounds like you guys do all that yourself so yeah another great great thing to learn you know i kind of want to tie that in you've already spoken a little bit about it about uh, another great aspect of carpentry um and having this qualification under your belt um makes owning your own business more accessible perhaps than some other industries or some other career paths so i just want to ask you maybe if you can go into that a little bit more and just a general question and kind of um you know what are your goals that you have for your own journey in this industry um 
one thing that I say a lot and that I always feel is that even if you're on your tool on the tools for the whole time that that you're a part of this industry you're always learning something every day there's always an opportunity to learn and and very small increments get better and better and better and for a lot of guys and I think you know for myself that that could be more than enough to fill a whole career just doing that just getting to be a fantastic carpenter and I think that's a worthy goal actually one that probably isn't really thought of you know uh, you're kind of just meant to do it for a while and then own your own business or, or go further. Um, I like the idea of that. Be, be enthusiastic about making craftsmanship your ideal and being a master carpenter. Um, I, th- I think that's a really cool thing. Maybe not everyone think that's a really cool thing. And, you know, you're only ever going to get maybe like, I don't know, in New Zealand, 38 bucks an hour just being a chippy and not even a foreman maybe and just you know just on your tools and and running around i don't think you can really make a whole whole lot of money off that um working for someone but i wonder if there's a way you think that you could do that and have goals on a business sense um as well so yeah i just want to ask you what your future goals are in this industry i find that an interesting question to ask the guests. Yeah, well, I, I suppose going into it, the, the end goal was always to become a business owner of of some description. What that looks like, I don't quite know yet. Um, whether or not that's uh, just becoming GST registered and, and working for my own co- for the company that I'm currently with, or just going out independently. Um, but yeah, like like you mentioned earlier, I mean, if if you go into to the, the industry thinking that you already know everything, I think it's probably not right for you. Um, like you say, you are learning things every single day. And as soon as you stop learning, I think you, you should probably look at stepping away from it. Um, yeah, I suppose um, other goals, I suppose, for me, I, I've taken a lot of inspiration from what you're doing, actually, with your um, construction management degree. Mm. Um, probably something that I'd like to look into at some stage as well. Not not at, as such yet, but maybe sometime in the future. Um, other goals, I suppose, that ideally, if if I were to have it my own way, I'd, I'd be able to have a, a workshop or a shed somewhere and just lock myself in there and make cool stuff and be able to sell it, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I suppose with um, the whole business side of things, it's... It's it's a difficult, it's a tricky one because um, the, being in the area that we are in, there's not a lot of how I mentioned earlier. There's not a lot of uh, companies out there who are doing high end residential. Um, so uh, building for our company is great, you know. It's um, mm. and it it's probably something that I want to stick for for a, a good long while to come. Um, what that looks like in the future, I'm not really too sure, but I know that I'll, I'll probably look at sticking with the guys at this stage. Nice, that's cool. Yeah, I like. I really like the the goal that you have of of just having a shed or a workshop. That is that like you've touched my heart there. I I, I, feel, I feel the exact same. I thought that um, battery stack 
challenge thing you did the other day was pretty fun you know just not not even just to see how many batteries people have but it's just cool to see how many people want to get involved and, and share what they're doing i just think that's fun yeah yeah no nah, well i think with the whole instagram thing it, it was just something that um i kind of i, I had trouble sleeping you see so i've had uh, a personal Instagram account for for years and years and then um just I, and i've always thought i should take a lot more pictures of of stuff I'm doing on site and it's something that's that the boss has actually encouraged quite a bit just to take photos of what you're doing, create a bit of a portfolio. So I've taken it a little bit further, you see, and, yeah. and uh, put it on my Instagram just to keep it all in one place. And it started off exactly like how I said, just taking photos and stuff on, um, uh, on the job and stuff just to keep everything all in one spot. Um, but then I got a fair bit of engagement after that and quite a, a fair few followers just started um, following me and um, and asking me for a bit of advice on, on on what they should be doing or you know which which uh, battery platform they should be looking at or, and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. I kind of I'm using it a little bit more um, these days as a bit of an insight of what it's like from day to day on a on a building site, I suppose. And um, no, but it's cool. I, I I love the community and I'm learning a lot. Uh, I had no idea before then how many female chippies there were or yeah. females in the trade. You know, and how many apprentices out there just absolutely crushing it at the moment, just you know, letting you know that they're out there and how well they're doing, and the whole mental health aspect kind of thing. Uh, you know, I've, I've probably been guilty of, of not knowing too much about that, which is probably probably a little bit irresponsible. But I'm learning a heck of a lot at the moment as well around that. So it's it's really nice to be involved in that now, and I get quite a bit of engagement from certain certain accounts as well. <laughs> yeah yeah it, it is cool yeah i i, I share that I, I wonder did you did you even know that there was this kind of community out there before you know you said you had a personal instagram account but you never really put any construction content on there did you know that this even existed because i had absolutely no clue myself yeah. uh, no none none at all i um i used to watch a lot, during my apprenticeship and stuff i used to watch a lot of youtube video clips just to gain a bit of insight into how to do a few things. Mm-hmm. So I knew that there was always something of something to a similar effect in America, but nothing to what it's like here, you know. It's um it's 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 a little bit a little bit different in the way that when you're when you're watching all those YouTube videos they're um they're all about stuff in America whereas the stuff that we're we're doing on the old Instagram thing it's um it's a little bit more relatable. Mm. and you feel like you actually know these pers- people personally mm. it's, it's really cool to be involved in it you know i talked to i think i talked to one person about it you have that attitude as a tradie where like oh the the, the that crew down the road are probably a bunch of rough guys and you know you always think you're the top dog on the street in terms of um yeah. your own crew or whatever it might yeah. be but yeah. then uh, when you're on Instagram, it's amazing how friendly everyone else is. And it's cool to chat with tradies from all around the country, you know, speaking about New Zealand in particular. Um, yeah, I got onto it. I never realized this was out there. And then also you have that thing where you sometimes you get in a kind of bubble where you're working with your own crew every day and you guys are like the only people who build on earth <laughs> and you're kind of ahead. And then... And then you're right, you look at like some accounts, man, like some of the insane craftsmen and craftswomen that I've found through Instagram who 
will share little tips and tricks or show their work and it's just like oh wow i thought i was good at building until i came on instagram yeah. <laughs> it's like, i don't know how to do anything so yeah it's been fun and yeah and i like it and we yeah we do have a good little community going here in new yeah, zealand yeah. i mean we're both pretty new to it but yeah it's been fun so far um yeah and, and definitely you're you're a part of that so yeah um while we're talking about that maybe we wrap it up there and just say yeah if you want to plug your own um instagram channel there and just any shout outs or anything like that you want to do or, or let people know what's happening um then then go for it yeah so well how we got in touch was through the old Instagram. Um, my handle is at ideal.carpentry, just something I came up with one night, you know, restless night. Yeah. Um, and and that, that's a bit of basically just photos randomly on, on site, just gives us a bit of insight about, you know, what happens from day to day on a job site. One thing that's probably, and I'm guilty of it as well, is, is we tend to show the good side mm. of, of the old build stuff. And, and I've probably... Um, should start looking at some of the the stuff that's less than ideal as such um, and maybe posting some of that kind of content as well you know some days are going to be pretty rubbish so um, you have to let people know about that too just out of responsibility um, so my company um, that I work for again is Eden Mastery Homes our website is edenhomes.co.nz We've got two show homes currently, both in Cracker Harborside. Um, one of them's at 80 Capriana and the other one is at 61 Milano. They're just around the corner from each other. And that basically showcases the different styles that we can achieve um, through our builds. Awesome. Oh, wow. Definitely recommend anyone in the Auckland area to go check out those houses. I mean, yeah, I, I would be if I, after listening to what you've said um, in this podcast, they sound pretty interesting. And, and to, yeah, it's it's cool to get the chance to be on a project the way you guys get to be on a project. Uh, I could have said that a lot better, but, you know, you're there the, the whole build. And I think that's fun. And, um, walking into a building where a lot of guys like you say had like big arguments and awesome days and sunken hours and hours and blood sweat and tears it's kind of like a to me anyway when you walk into a place like that it's kind of like a spiritual feeling almost yeah. like especially if you're involved in something similar and you walk in there and okay you can go like oh wow look at the finish on that exposed rafter like that's cool but like visually but also you you just kind of know what went behind all of that and it's cool it's cool to be a part of so yeah why not go check out those show homes if you're in the area yeah david thanks again for your time brother this has been a cool conversation i appreciate you contributing um to this and what you're doing on ideal carpentry it's fun like we talked about it on the gram there um i like your uh, battery stack challenge there the other day that was pretty yeah, fun yeah everyone got involved in that it's it's cool it's a it's a fun community and it's nice to see that side of tradies that we can kind of pat each other on the back and support each other and and get around each other instead of the perhaps the negative side that is thought of maybe all too often um about what life is like in the trade so yeah thanks for being a part of that cheers brother thank you very much thank you very much
All right. Thanks for listening, friends. If, like me, you enjoy conversations about the love of building and creating, then please consider subscribing to the show and leaving a cheeky wee review at wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks very much to David for coming on. That one has been a wee while in the making, so cheers for the support, mate. You can follow him on Instagram at ideal.carpentry. And of course, thanks again to you for your time and support. I really appreciate it. I've been flat tack at the moment, uh, pumping out assignments and having a few big weeks at work. So hopefully I'm going to get back into recording real soon. I've been pumping these ones out from the vaults. Hopefully I'm going to have a new rift of podcasts coming to close the year out. I don't know how much longer I can keep this up if I stay this busy, but I'm having fun talking to people out there and hopefully someone gets something from listening to me drone on. Shout out to you if you listen to the outros of this podcast. You are a champ in my books. <laughs> if you think you have something to offer to this podcast and can top the episode you just listened to, then I want to hear from you. You can follow me on Instagram at Chippaway Carpenter. Slide into the DMs. Tell me why you should be on the show. It's quite a lot of work doing the podcast and... What would be real awesome for me is if I could just do it a whole lot easier. I don't have to write drafts or walk people through it. It's really just a conversation. So if you're not afraid of a yarn, hit me up and we can talk. So you can follow me on Instagram at Carpenter to keep up to date with what's happening on the podcast. And until the next one, keep chipping away.